Welcome to Energy Stew. This is Peter Roth, your host. And I'd like to ask you, how familiar are you with grief? And I'm sure you're all saying very, because there are so many ways in life that we lose something, someone that we grieve about. And so I, I really feel it's important to look at it and talk about it because that's so helpful. <laughs> so to do that, I, I found someone who really speaks beautifully about grief. And I've asked her to be a guest on Energy Stew. Heidi Dunstan, welcome to Energy Stew. Hi, Peter. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm really grateful you reached out to me. Well, I, I love what you have to say, so I can't wait to talk with you about, <laughs> about it because I, I know how important it is because in my life it's appeared many, many times and still a big part of me. And I know it's part of you. You, you had a very major loss in your life that is still a major part of you and and you have processed it in ways that has helped so many people so can you talk a little bit about that please for sure yeah so i i come like you said come by grief honestly i lost my husband mike unexpectedly in 2018 he died uh, two days after christmas and the day before my 40th birthday of a massive heart attack and in my process of grieving, I learned that I had amazing people that came around me, but I also had some people that said things that missed the mark. And they, some of them said nothing at all. And as I spent more and more time with grievers, because I was trying to understand and navigate grief and going, am I going crazy? I spent a lot more time with widows and widowers. And I realized that my story wasn't that different, that lots of times grievers end up feeling very isolated and alone because people try to fix them or they judge them or they say nothing at all and that silence is deafening. And so I took a certification. I'm a certified grief educator through the David Kessler program. And I now teach people what to say and not say to somebody who's grieving so that people don't have to grieve alone and that people who are trying to support somebody who's grieving can feel like they are equipped to navigate some of those uncomfortable conversations because they don't say those uncomfortable things out of malice they teach they say them because they've never been taught and i teach people that grief is love and that when you witness grief deep grief it's because you're witnessing deep love it wouldn't hurt if they didn't lose their person right now i love that about grief that it really shows us how much love we have and have experienced and uh so it, but it's so fascinating that it's an awkward subject for so many people because you're not in their shoes and you don't know how to address people who you see are suffering and you, you, you're not wearing their shoes. So you don't know the, the, the best language for it. And, and so that, a lot of what you teach, I, I think, is, is how to find the right languages. Yeah, the, the words matter. And the hard part is, is that grief is as individuals are fingerprints. And so, you know, none of us do it the same. You know, I was on a podcast recently where when I said that to the podcaster, she realized, hmm, 
I just watched a movie where a lady was grieving and she didn't cry. And I thought she was a terrible actress. And now you're making me think there's got to be people out there that grieve that don't cry. And I'm exactly. Right. I'm a, I'm a sprinkler. But there's other <laughs> people that aren't. Right. Like, yeah, and then that's okay. Well, then there are other ways that we, uh, we cry within. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so it, it's so important. Uh, you were telling me before we started the show about a parable that, that you had that was, um, so beautiful about how to how to manage grief, uh, but also how to manage life, and uh, it has to do. Um, well, you can if you want to. Let uh, me share it. Yeah. So it's a parable I heard. I don't even know where I heard it, but it really reflects to me the importance. And so, a man said to God one day, "I'd like to see the difference between heaven and hell." And so God took the man to two doors. They opened up the first door. And in the middle of the room, there was a table with a big pot of vegetable stew. And that pot of stew smelled so good, it made the man's mouth water. But when he looked around all the people in the room, they were sickly and famished and like starving. And all of them, they were carrying these long spoons and they could dip the spoons into the pot of stew but the handles on these spoons were too long for them to get the stew in their mouths. And so they were starving. And God closes the door and looks at the man and says, you've seen him. And they open the second door. And there's that table with the large pot of stew. And it made the man's mouth water again. But all the people around the table, around the stew were healthy and plump and laughing and they had the same long-handled spoons, but they were nourishing each other. They would feed each other the stew rather than trying to feed themselves. And that was heaven. And my belief is the same, is that when we are able to witness somebody and see them and nourish them when they are feeling grief and moving through those difficult, hard times in life, we are nourishing them and we're taking care of them. And there's magic and healing and support there. The people who shown up for me, and I think even before the show, you and I are chatting about when your father passed, the people that showed up for you when your dad passed, we cherish those moments. You remember those people who stood up and said, is there something I can do to support you? Can I help you right now? Right? Right. And, and that language is very important because there are so many ways we we often fail in addressing grieving people because we're not you know we we, we impose our own ideas about what's needed and often it's not at all needed and 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 since we're all different maybe some people do need that but other people definitely don't well, and it's the language matters and, and saying, how can I support you is very different than call me if you need me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and a lot of grievers get the call me if you need me. Um, yeah, that's amazing. You know, it's just like right now, what I'm thinking of is just holding space and with love. And such a. Because, as 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 we said, grief is 
all about love. And if we can share love amidst the pain, the suffering of loss and hold the ground, then we share the ground and it's not so empty. And, and, and people have a hard time understanding what holding space means. And it really is about loving somebody exactly where they're at. Zero judgment. And that's the hard part in our world is that we tend to do it with judgment, right? And we, I always say to people, have you ever watched America's Got Talent where they have the golden buzzer moments where like somebody goes and does a talent show and the judges give them a golden buzzer and they're being propelled to the, the final round rather than have to do all the work. When people get that golden buzzer moment, it's like a dream come true for them. And when we hit that golden buzzer and, and you see them and they celebrate, nobody celebrates the same, Peter. People on that stage, some of them will be running around, jumping for joy. Other people will just stand and you can see they're having a moment with their creator. Other people will tremble and cry. Somebody else might collapse and shake on the ground. We never judge how people celebrate but we do judge how people live through pain. But you no, know, let's talk about judgment because it, it, it actually shows up all over the place <laughs> because there are a lot of people who aren't that smart about relating to the pain of others. And, and it's hard to judge them for it because they're, they're coming from their own fears, their own discomfort that we actually can embrace them for it too. But instead we might want to judge them as, uh, hey, that was kind of a stupid remark. And it's like, well, I, I feel for those people because um, you, you also want to hold them too in their own lack of being present enough. I think, I think as a griever, we have a responsibility. And, and the hard part is, is especially in early grief, our, our, our armor's down. Like we, we are not feeling, at, we're not at our best. And so it can be really difficult. But when somebody's like, it's been five weeks, you're not over that yet. Oh my God. And, oh. and, it, and it happens. Yes. And, and so those statements are judgments. Right. But as a griever, I do believe it's my responsibility to go, hey, I'm not sure that's what you try we're trying to mean. Like you're important to me too. Like the relationship has to go two ways. And the hard part is is oftentimes a griever doesn't have the strength. And so their response is they go quiet or they get angry. One of the two. Yeah. Right. And so they have to, it's got to go both ways. Right. But so I teach I tend to teach people what not to say. Like. Are you, you know, aren't you over that yet? Um, probably not the best thing to say. Not to say to a widow, I understand grief. I went through divorce. Not probably not the right thing to say. Um, so I teach yeah. people some of those things. I also teach them instead of asking, How are you? ask how's today? So you don't force your griever to lie. Beautiful. And you ask, right? Like the, the words matter. And and I think that's why a lot of people are silent, is because they're so afraid they're gonna put their foot in their mouth. That they say nothing at all, and that they're they're afraid they're going to be judged, 
And, and the other side of judgment is the self-judgment. Also know that is that we also judge ourselves and how we move through grief. And it can be really right. challenging because we like, we're not taught how to grieve either. And we end up navigating it. And we end up, I spent a lot of time with the, why am I going through this again? Why is this so hard? I thought I dealt with this already. Isn't this over yet? I mean, I just, Christmas time is a hard time of year for me, Peter. I love Mike on the 27th. My birthday's the 28th. There's Christmas in there. There's New Year's. And then his birthday's the first week of January. Wow. I have all my hard days in a two-week span. And I'm five years out. And I still had a really hard time. Of course. But it, it changes how you have the hard time. Because um, early grief is, is much more violent. Agreed. People always say, does grief get better? And I say, no, it gets different. Right. And but there, uh, you know, we're talking about different ways to speak to people, and you, ha I know you have a number of, of examples. For instance, um, uh, when people try to compare it and say, "Well, at least um, it wasn't this," or at least you at still least they're that. not suffering now. Yeah, and at least you can. At least you're young. You can find love again. At least you can get another dog. At least you can have another child. And, you know, and people might be able to say that to themselves at times, but it's hard. It's hard to think that way. And uh, I know we had a miscarriage and and we were grateful that we already had a child. And we felt for people who had miscarriages who didn't already have a child. Unfortunately, we... After that, we can still have another child. But, uh, you know, you, you can see how it, it varies according to our condition that um, some people can carry on and in ways that other people can't. We don't get to choose how somebody grieves. That's the thing, right? And that's where that judgment comes in. If we can let go of judgment, and, and I truly do believe that grief uh, judgment is grief's kryptonite. When we judge somebody and how they grieve, we stop connection. And when we judge ourselves and how we grieve, we stop like we stop our connection with ourselves as well because it it keeps us here. It's not in our hearts anymore, right? Our minds are so acrobatic. It's amazing. It is. and 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 I always say grief is a vortex. Like there's, you know, if you want, if you want to understand time travel, grieve, because I can be in the past, I can be in the present, and I can be in the future in an instant, and people don't get it. I can walk into a grocery store, and, and a favorite song of Mike's can play, and I'll be like, oh, thinking about Mike, and mm -hmm. then I get out, and I'm like, in the real world, and I go to put my groceries in the car, and I'm like, why did I buy milk? I don't drink milk. Mike drank four liters of milk a day, every two days. Um, and then I can drive by a restaurant and go, I always wanted to take him there and I'll never get that chance again. And there, but there's so many ways. That sometimes it just shows up emotionally. Sometimes I'll just, it'll, it'll just well up in me and, sure. and out of the blue. And I, I just, you know, I'm back in, 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 you know, in the, and the sadness and the, and, the, and the unhappiness of it. Um, and it's amazing how it wells. 
Um, so, so, yeah, because, I mean, after my father died, my brother and I that same day went back to school and we went to classes. And people might have wondered, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> How can you do this? You know, but we, you know, I, every every you know, 20 minutes, half hour, I would run to the boys' room to, to sob and wail for a while <laughs> and then collect myself. And, yeah. you know. And some, some people don't grieve immediately. Some people, like, they, it takes time. It's called delayed grief. And so it's it's a lot. And if you're a child, you're watching all the other people around you not in the best place. You went back to where you felt safe and 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 life was normal for a few minutes. That's all you did. You were like, I I need normal. This is this is hard. Yeah, and I, I've been that. Uh, there's been a lot of loss and and tragedy in, in my family. That yeah, has been hard. And and I remember one time we lost uh, my cousin's wife and teenage daughter were killed in a car crash, and we were in such pain about it for for a while. And I remember people saying, "Peter, let me do some healing for you and help you feel better." And I would say, "No thanks. <laughs> I'm very happy being as unhappy as I am." <laughs> you know, it, it was it was where I knew I needed to be. And, and holding the suffering. And actually, no, I'm reminded that, for instance, I know in Judaism, there are funerals that are very painful to be at because they exaggerate the suffering. <laughs> you know, shovel dirt on the grave, you know, into the grave. It's like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I, I remember when my father died and they, uh, at the funeral service, they, closed the coffin and they were screwing it tight. And I wailed at that. It was just so painful. But for some reason they do that to get you to to bring it out. It's a piece of closure. Yeah, it, it, it brings it out. I don't know that it helped me at all. No. <laughs> Except upset the rest of the people there even more to hear me well like that. <laughs> and and Losing a parent is a significant loss, especially when you're still young. Yeah, it and, was. and right, and with it being an unexpected loss, and there's there's lots there, and how you like even even with you and your brother, you both were grieving your father, but the relationship you had with your dad is different, and so lots of people just think, oh, we clump it all in the same. No, each one of us have a different relationship with that the person that has passed. And those relationships, um, that it'll all look different and that's okay. And so when you're supporting somebody who's grieving, it's okay just to say, I see you. I see this is hard and I don't want you to be alone. Yes. Right. And it's, it's, it's so important to, to know how to do that, to know how to, to be with people that they feel recognized in their grief without judgment. With just and if, if you don't know how to do it, it's okay to say, I have no idea what to say, but you're important to me. And I might screw it up. And I'm going to apologize in advance if I do. Please tell me if I do. 
<laughs> and we'll, we'll muddle through it to get like it's an uncomfortable conversation because grief everybody thinks there's this five stages of grief there isn't there's five stages of dying which is really for when people are dying right and so and the hard part with our brains is when we think stages we think that it's sequential or in, in a, a, a certain order and it's one and done and grief isn't like that it's a big hot mess and so what worked, to, what you said one day to somebody might not work the next day because they might be in a really different place. They could be really sad one day and really angry another. And you didn't get the memo. And so now all of a sudden you're like, I said this yesterday, it was fine. Well, it's not fine today. Okay, let's let's make sure that, like, how how can I support you right now? rather than call me if you need me so that I don't have to get caught up on the, on the notebook, right? What so, a journey this is. It's Every it's day is, is, is an amazing process of, of, of revealing, I, I would say revealing love, but love isn't easy. And, and so, because it, it, it there are lessons of love. There are lessons of loving ourselves, loving each other. And the process of those lessons brings us deeper and deeper. We also have to learn how to love somebody who's no longer here. It's hard. And 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 you and I had this conversation before the show. Like learning losing somebody doesn't mean you've lost their love. You I I've chosen to say, I need to learn how to love him differently. I still love him, still a big part of my life, but I have to learn how to love him in different ways. And that's hard because there's pieces of it that I don't get. I don't get physical touch. I don't have intimacy. I don't have somebody asking me how I'm doing or I, I don't get the opportunity to do the same either, right? So. It's about finding other ways to love your person, and that can be really hard. Right, and and another thing that's interesting is that um, my nephew, who passed uh, recently, um, told his his family that, or my, especially especially his mom, that he was going to send hawks. And and after he passed, there are hawks everywhere. <laughs> so beautiful and mm. and uh i think on the other side that can be done i think there are ways of sending signs that people uh, can look for if, if that's something somebody believes in i believe in it but it's not for everybody um and i and i respect that um but for me i believe that yeah mike's around me and and, and and it's cool i watch sometimes where he sends me messages when my heart is tender but he also sends me messages when he's celebrating. Right. And for example, I was there was a good friend of his. She was she was like a sister to him, and her and I. She invited me to her cabin, and so we drove out to the cabin. It was about a six hour drive. My husband drove like an old two thousand six truck. I drove. I saw nineteen of those trucks on that six hour drive, in a place where old trucks aren't really common. Most people drive new trucks. I was like, okay, you're celebrating the two of us hanging out for the weekend. Like, you love that. I believe you know. in that. I believe yeah. that uh, these things are manufactured intentionally to happen, 
and and I don't even know how they can be uh, in that regard, but they are. It happens. You know how, like, on on some of the new TV shows and movies and stuff, they have those, like, touch screens where they're, like, they can go and, oh, let's let's see this building. I I sometimes, this is how I envision it, is, like, it's him and he just goes to go, there's the gold truck, and he just drags it to where I am, right? I love that. Yeah, but I think think somehow that's true, but it has to be true for all the participants, including the truck drivers and the trucks themselves. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But it's, it's, I mean, I choose to see those signs. Some people say, oh, it's just a coincidence. I, I make a choice that those signs are meant for me. And for me, they, they touch my soul. They touch my heart in ways that help me. And are there days that sometimes it makes me cry? Definitely. You know, um, but a cry of, I'm so grateful I had him. You know, he made, I am I am a better person because he was in my life. For sure. You know? For sure. You know, and and we we carry these people with us in ways that, you know, time changes. It, it doesn't change the love, but it changes who we, you know, time changes who we are. And who the world is around us, and that person is missing from all that, and it's painful to to experience. But we just have to keep remembering the love. Well, yeah. Always, you know, gratitude has got me through grief a lot. So when grief is really, really heavy, I move to the gratitude that I had him. Gratitude for all the things that he brought to my world, and. You know, I choose to see the signs. I choose to have conversations with him. You know, it was really funny. A few years ago, I was on an audio-only app called Clubhouse. And there was a gentleman in there who was a medium. And all he saw was my photo. He didn't get, and he knew I was a widow. That was it. And he was doing these complimentary readings. and, 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 you and I both know there are good mediums and not so good mediums. Right. Right. So I was kind of like, you know, it was my turn. And, and I just kind of was like, hi, I'm Heidi. And he was like, Hey, let me just tap in. And he started to physically describe my husband. And I was like, interesting. And I, I mean, I talked to Mike all the time and I said, Hey, babe, if it's you show him what kind of shirts you always wore. And within seconds, this guy goes, he always wore like a polo or like a bowling, a shirt with a collar. And he really is making me a very prevalent. He wants me to know. And I was like, okay, you got this. This is him. And it was such a gift. Like, you know, just. Yeah, the I presence. Know. Having yeah. You know, to know that he's he's for real, you know. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Uh, and it's one of those things where for me, I have the ability to communicate to him. I'm not as good yet at reading his messages to me. Like I see the the physical ones, but this guy came with like strong messages. Yeah, that... Some good mediums can really be helpful. We're yeah. we're really at, at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I want people to know how to reach you. Feel free to check me out at HeidiDunstan.ca. Uh, Heidi, H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N.ca. Or on Instagram or Facebook under Lean Into Grief with the mentality that in those moments when you feel like you want to run away, 
those are the moments you're meant to lean in and support somebody. I love this. I love talking with you. You're so wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Energy Stew. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to have this amazing conversation with you, Peter. Thank you. And this is Peter Roth, your host of Energy Stew at prn.live. I can be reached at Peter at heartriver, H-E-A-R-T, river.org. I'd love to hear from you, and thanks so much for listening.